Aren't we blessed to have such a wonderful senior pastor here in Pastor Sheldon? A wonderful man. I mean, you know, for me, being the older pastor, it's hard, it was hard for me to... I, I had Pastor Alex, yeah, so when Pastor Sheldon came on, it was kind of hard for me to take instructions from the younger guy, you know. But being the man that he is and the wisdom that he has in God's Word, and boy, it was so easy for me to receive from him because he speaks uh, what he lives. It's his lifestyle. So for me, it was so wonderful. So we are so blessed that God has sent us such a wonderful senior pastor in Pastor Sheldon. So I'm going to use my Joe Moore spiel this morning. I'm going to say, did you know that God has set a destiny for each and every one of us? He did. He set a destiny for all of us, and he has set up a roadmap for us to, to follow and to complete and accomplish this destiny. So the instructions of life has been set, and now it's in motion, and it's, it's called the Bible. And in our daily lives, we'll, we'll make thousands and thousands of decisions to, to rather if it's the right choice or not, to fulfill the destiny that God set before us. And because God gave us the ability and and allowed us the freedom to choose and to make choices, we can actually make our own plans. In fact, many times I find myself falling off of God's plans and onto my own plans. You know, there's a saying that if you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. Just tell him your plans. Yeah. But we all make plans. Every one of us make different plans for our lives. As for me, when I go on vacation, I make a lot of plans. I want to know. I'm not spontaneous. I want to know what city we're going to visit. I want to know how long we're going to be in that city. I want to make sure that I got a place to lay my head. I want to know what hotel I'm going to stay at. I want to know how, how, who we're going to visit in those cities. I want to know what attractions or what parks we're going to do because I want an agenda. I want to know everything, and I want to plan it up because we make plans. We make a lot of plans for our, uh, for, for our lives. And the greatest decision that I make or I want to make, the hardest decision when I'm vac- on vacation is this. I want to know where I'm going to eat <laughs> because I like eat. I love food. So we'll make career plans. We'll make financial plans. We'll, we'll make relational plans. We'll make house plans. We'll make life plans. We make a lot of plans. But how many of us really, really stick to the plan? How many of us change our minds and we abandon the original plan before reaching our goal or reaching our destination? A lot of times we deviate from the path that's been set before us for many reasons. Maybe, maybe we just get distracted. Or maybe some unexpected situation shows up. Or maybe we, we just become stuck in time sometimes. Things happen, and we deviate off that, that plan, and we take detours or we take shortcuts into reaching our destination. So at different points in our lives, we'll go astray off of God's plan, and we'll make some good decisions and some good choices and some bad ones. You know, I've done that many a times in my life, and lo and behold, I lose or we can lose our focus on what's important of our goal and achieving our destiny. Sometimes things just don't go according to plan, do they? You know, I remember a time when my wife called me and I was up here. And she asked me to 
before I come home, would you please pick up some lettuce for our dinner tonight? I guess she was making some salad, so I'm up here. I was working. It was about 5.30, 6 o'clock, and I'm, I'm, I, I had a long day, and now I've got to drive to Pune, and, you know, I'm hungry. So with all that going in, in my mind, I, I had to go down to the market now. And there's one thing that I've learned from that experience is this, um, you know, with, with grocery shopping. It should be rules. And you know what the first rule is? Never shop when you're hungry. <laughs> Never shop when you're hungry, right? Because we're going to pick up everything else but the item that we go to, to pick up. And that's what happened with me. So, so I walk into the market, right? And the first thing you come across is that, that fruit aisle, right? And I'm hungry, and, and the cantaloupe starts speaking to me. <laughs> you know, I'm sweet and on sale. So I pick up the cantaloupe, and then, you know, I don't know why, but when they pick up melons, people start to knock on the melon to check if they're ripe or if somebody's home, <laughs> you know? And I think they're crazy, but then I start knocking on this cantaloupe. And I was thinking, boy, these guys must think I'm crazy too. <laughs> so I knocked on the cantaloupe, nobody answered, so I took that one home, nobody was in. <laughs> So because I took the cantaloupe, I, I, I'm thinking, oh, ice cream, ice cream, I need ice cream. So I go to the ice cream aisle, and then I pass by the popsicles, right? And I'm thinking, oh, I've got to get these popsicles for the kids. But I'm actually justifying why I pick them up all these um, other goodies for me, right? So I pick up the popsicle, I pick up the fudgesicle, I pick up the hagen ice cream, the mango ice cream. I throw all that into my wagon. Never shop while you're hungry. Never shop while you're hungry. Then I go to the dessert line. I pick up the jello cake. I get some cookies, pass the snacks line grab me the gummy bears, I go to the checkout counter, pay for my groceries, boom, I'm out, I'm headed out to Pune. I get home, I put the groceries on the, the, the counter, my wife says, how are you? Did you have a good day? I say, yeah. Go to the, my, my bedroom, slip into something more comfortable, and I hear this tiny but frightening voice <laughs> coming from the kitchen. Honey, did you get the lettuce? Panic starts to set in. But here's my pastor's response. Honey, I'll be right back. I forgot something. <laughs> Plans don't usually work out the way we think they should work out. And it's the same for us with life and with God's plans. And this morning, we're going to continue with our series, The God of Change. And I want to talk to you about the God on how God changes and corrects our lives when we're, we've strayed off of his paths. And when we're feeling hopeless or, or defeated or beaten down at times and, and we're feeling as though we're in a dungeon compared to the life that God has destined us for us to have. So today's message again is titled, From Dungeon to Destiny. So today you may take out your, your notes from your bulletins, and if this is your first time, as everyone has been saying, that we want to welcome you. But for me, I just want you to, if you're, um, th this is your first time, I want you to stand, and I want you to dance. Show us what you got. Do one hula. Break it down, because we like to see what you get. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we do want to get to know you. And I, I understand that we have a group of of, of uh, a group from YWAM this morning. If you're here, would you just raise your hand? We want to welcome you. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. 
Thank you for being here this morning. So if you would take out your bulletins and just look in your bulletins. There's a lot of information of what's going on here at the church. Just check it out. Because, or you could go to our information center uh, out in front of, the, out, out of these doors out here. Or check us out on www.newhopehilo.org, which is our web. And like Pastor Sheldon said, we have our app. You could follow us on Instagram. You could follow us uh, on Facebook. Or you could follow me out the doors. Just follow us, man. We're, we're doing something good here. God is a God of change, and he's doing something good. So this morning, we're going to gain wisdom from the life of a man named Joseph from the Old Testament and how God changed his life when he seemed to be broken and lost, taking him from his dungeons and his drawbacks to a life destined by God. And through his life, we're going to learn three principles of how God can change our lives when we're feeling down and desperate and in our dungeon times because God is a God of change. And as I said earlier, God has a plan and he has predestined us, all of us, in our lives. So let's confirm that through his word, which comes out of Ephesians 1, 3 to 6, which reads, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us. You can circle that. He chose us in him before the foundations of the world. So here's our destiny. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So we've been chosen people to become his sons and daughters. God has blessed us to be his holy people, predestined us to be a part of his ohana, a part of his family, a part of the body of Christ. And we are destined to be his special people, his sons and his daughters, even before he created the world. And I say amen to that. Amen? Boy, that's a good, good, good word for us right there. We can all go home already. You guys are holy and special people in God's eyes. Remember that. And I want you guys to know that. So would you turn to your neighbor and just tell them, you special. Yeah? And tell your wife and your, your husband, your spouse, you special. Yeah. Even if you guys weren't arguing this morning before you guys came in, just tell them you special. We are all special people predestined by his will. And I want you to know this morning, no matter where you are and what you're going through this morning, God has called us to be his special people his holy people, his sons, his daughters, and he has destined our lives. Joseph was one of 12 sons to the patriarch Jacob. And you find this story starting in Genesis in uh, chapter 37 all the way to chapter uh, 50. So it's a great story. He and his brother uh, Benjamin were the youngest of, of 12 brothers. And he, they were the, the, the son of Rachel, Jacob's wife, who who Jacob really loved, Rachel. But Jacob didn't hold back his love or his favoritism towards Joseph because Joseph was his favorite son. And as a matter of fact, Jacob showed, that, showed his favoritism by giving uh, Joseph a robe 
of many colors, which signified his, his leadership skills and, and he being uh, uh, someone um, in authority. So he gave him that, that, that robe. <clears throat> and because of Jacob's favoritism and giving uh, Joseph the gifts, his brothers were very envious and very jealous of Joseph. And what made it worse, uh, at the age of 17, Joseph has these dreams, and one of the dreams was that they would be in the fields and, and gathering grain. And as they bundled their grains, uh, the dream showed that all the brothers' bundles of grain would actually bow down before Joseph's bundle. And then another dream that he had was about the stars and the sun and the moon. And the sun represented his dad. And the moon represented his mom. And then the 11 stars, again, represented his brothers. And he would say to them that they would all bow down to Joseph. Now, upon hearing this, the brothers already envious and already jealous of Joseph, you know. With that going on inside of them, I'm thinking what these brothers were thinking. So, you know, you come to me, I'm already having some emotional things against you. I'm rebellious against you. I'm jealous of you. And now you're coming to me and telling me that one day I'm going to bow down before you? Brother, you better be Jesus or you're going to get some cracks. You know, and that's on the brother's side. And that's exactly how they felt. So what they did was they threw him in, in a pit and then they sold him to some tribes that was passing by. And then Joseph, within the, the transaction, he gets uh, sold a couple more times before he finally gets sold to the Egyptians. And then being enslaved, um, he went into Potiphar's house, and Potiphar was the, the head of uh, Pharaoh's guards. And being in Potiphar's house, Potiphar saw, saw the natural ability of Joseph's leadership. So he made Joseph um, the head of his household, putting everything in his uh, leadership. But there's sometimes... There's things that is revealed to us that we need to keep to ourselves. And Joseph, with his eagerness to, to share his gift, said some things to his family that didn't sit right with, with his family. And there's things that God will reveal or things that we know such as a secret that we need to keep it to ourselves or we'll get in trouble. There's times when we put ourselves in our dungeons, don't we? I remember many a times when I would say stuff and my mouth got me in trouble and I hurt people. If we're not careful, our mouth can put us in, in some bad situation and we can hurt people and we can hurt ourselves emotionally. And it's in these situations we feel like we're in the dungeon. And there'll be times when people will hurt you, such as Potiphar's wife that hurt Joseph. We can be completely innocent in any situation. But because we can be hurt, we can be hurt by people. We feel like we're in that dungeon, in that pit. Even when we're a Christian, we'd feel that way. And it's in these times that we become vulnerable and we're, we're not in a good state of mind and we, we're, not, uh, we're emotional at that time. And it feels like we're, we're locked up spiritually. We're locked up in this dungeon, and we just don't know what to do or where to go. 
Well, here's your first point for this morning. Number one, realize and accept your dungeons. Realize and accept your dungeons. When life doesn't treat us as we expect, and we're feeling down and out, we're feeling defeated, emotionally drained, downcasted, drowning in, in hopelessness and failure, when we're thinking that there's no way that things can get better, we have to recognize where we are physically and where we are spiritually. We may be in our dungeon times, and at this point, it doesn't matter what you did or not. It doesn't matter if you're innocent or not. What really matters is your heart. And why are you placed in this position? What we have to look at is what happened and what put us in this dungeon. Then call it for what it is. If you sinned and you're feeling guilty for your sin, then probably that's why you're in a place of sorrow, in your dungeon. Then accept it and confess your sins to God. If you feel like your life is at an all-time low, then examine yourself and find out why. Why are you feeling that way? Joseph carried a huge burden of animosity and, and hatred in his heart towards his brother and towards Potiphar's wife for doing what they did for him. And he probably struggled for many of years with that feeling, holding on to the resentment and the pain that held him back from becoming that leader that God predestined him to be. It must have taken him some time, years of self-examination and accepting the responsibility before letting things go, realizing where those emotional setbacks came from. And although Joseph was in prison physically, he was more imprisoned by the emotions of his heart spiritually. Genesis 39, 29 states this, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, I can relate to Joseph of being incarcerated and feeling emotionally defeated. Because when I was in, in prison, I felt that way too. I felt defeated. I felt abandoned. I felt alone. Not at anyone's fault, but that's what was going on within my heart, within my mind. I was justifying and blaming everyone else but myself. It took time for me to realize that it wasn't anyone's fault but my own. And I wanted to blame the cops. I wanted to blame my associates, my friends, and even my family for me being in prison. My dungeon being in prison, that was my dungeon, literally my dungeon. But blaming people doesn't get rid of your dungeons. It doesn't get rid of the emotional setbacks or the emotional pain that we experience. It just increases it. My heart was broken. I was emotionally wrecked, and I was suffering. And after a time of having my own examination of my heart, of myself, I finally realized all of this complaining and all of this justification didn't do anything for me. I wasn't going anywhere. 
You ever notice that when you hold a, a pity party, that you're the only one there at that party? Yeah, and that's the way I felt. And I realized that I have to take a stand and stop pouting like a little child because I can't have my way. I realized and accepted the consequences of my errors and where it got me. I had to accept where I was and start doing something about it. And that's when I knew that I needed God, right? We all cry out to God when we're in trouble, right? Yeah, we all do. That's a normal reaction as a human being. We cry out to God. But here's the good news about that. That when we cry out to God in our times of trouble, when, when, when our hearts are broken, He's there. He's there for us. Psalms 34, 18 reads this way. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. Now, maybe you're in a situation this morning and you're feeling downcasted where people said stuff to you and, and did something to, to hurt you or you them. And maybe you're in your dungeon period right now, your dungeon times experiencing the struggle that it brings. Maybe you're holding everyone else responsible but yourself. And maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe you're a Christian, but you're in an emotional wreck right now. And you can't seem to shake that off. And we just want to lash out and hurt someone. I said, stop it. Don't do it. I want you to know that the Lord is near you. He is with you when you call upon him. He never leaves us. Even when he, we, we think he does, he never leaves us. Sometimes we just need to recalibrate and take an examination of ourselves, check ourselves and realize and accept where we are in our fate. 2 Corinthians 13, 5-7 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the fate. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you failed the test. And I trust that you will discover that you have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Not so that people will see that you have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. At times, God puts dungeons in our lives to test us to test how we'll respond and how will we succeed or fail in doing what's right and doing what's good. God tested Joseph if he would trust in him for his destiny. God doesn't look at our failures or, or our faults. He died for that. God died for our failures. God died for our faults and our sins. He's a God of change, and he wants to better us in his righteousness. If you're feeling like you're in a dungeon this morning, a place you don't want to be, and it's killing you spiritually, examine yourself and realize why you're there. If you sin, then repent and make it right with God because God is a God of change.
Only you and God would know where you're at. If a man or a person hurt you in any way, or you them, then ask for forgiveness and make it right with them. Because God is a God of change. Ask for forgiveness. And asking for forgiveness actually clears the air of your dungeons so that you would know where you're actually at. Remember, forgiveness is not for that person. They probably moved on in their lives. Forgiveness is for us so that we can move on in our lives so that we know that God is with us and we can learn the lessons as we move on. We can learn our lessons while we're in our dungeon times. We can learn why we were there in the first place. And that would be your second point for this morning. Number two, we can learn from our dungeon times. We can learn from our dungeons. We can learn from our dungeons. Now, I don't think it was easy for Joseph while he was in prison. And I don't think that it'll be easy for us while we're in our dungeon times. It's not fun. And it's a difficult time of suffering. But it was in prison and his suffering that God was with Joseph. And God taught Joseph some valuable lessons for him. If Joseph was to be this great leader that God predicted him to be or predestined him to be, then he had to go to, this, to, to, to the wilderness of suffering that Moses went through because Moses was that great leader that God created in his wilderness times. God uses suffering to strengthen and develop Joseph to develop his leadership skills. God taught him humility and how to use his giftings as a dreamer to serve people, to help people. And he'll do that for us too. You know, Joseph meets two prisoners um, from Pharaoh's uh, household, the cupbearer and the baker. And these two have a dream um, in prison. And they go to Joseph, and and Joseph has now um, gained wisdom on how to use his his giftings. So they go to to Joseph, and Joseph accurately um, interprets their dreams. And for the cupbearer, he says to the cupbearer that you will be restored to your capacity in your servant's house, in your servanthood, in the house that you came from, in, in Pharaoh's house. But then he looks at the baker, and poor thing, this baker, because he dies. Yeah? But Joseph had to tell him that. And I bet it was difficult for Joseph to to stick to the truth, to stick to his guns, to do what God asked him to do. I don't know what the baker did, but Joseph tells him that. And because of Joseph's experience and what God was doing in his heart, he sticks to his guns and tells him the truth. And there's times in our dungeons that we will learn truth. And sometimes that truth may be hard to hear. But it is truth. Even for us, God can and will use our dungeons, our difficult times of suffering to teach us his plan and his righteous ways. He doesn't do it to punish us, but he uses it for the good. He wants us to get back on that destiny, to get back on that track to be his holy people. Now, sure, the lessons may be painful at first, but the results are so rewarding when we allow God to change us by learning the lessons through our sufferings. 
Hebrews 12, 11, and 13 states it this way. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but be strong. And here we can see that when, when we're in dungeons, we're actually weak. We're actually struggling. But he's saying, hey, strengthen those times. Get up and do something about it because you're disciplined. The lessons that you learn will make you strong. And like Joseph, I learned my lessons in prison. And it wasn't easy for me. As a prison ministry pastor, I hear this all the time from from inmates and I hear it from ex-inmates. And you know what they say to me? They say this, if it wasn't for prison, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know where I'd be because God is a God of change. And he changed their life. He changed their heart. And he did the same for me. If it wasn't for the lessons that I learned from God in prison, I don't know if I'd be up here speaking to you right now. I don't know where I'd be. But I allowed God to change my heart and teach me his ways because no one else could do that for me. No one else could do that. And I accepted my shortcomings, and I got over myself, and I looked for the newness for my life, the changes that God had for my life. And that wasn't easy to do either. It's never easy when God humbles us, but it's worth the while when we learn. It's worth the while when we begin to see his purpose for it, and we can learn from our dungeons. He'll teach us lessons to help us get back on our road to fulfilling that destiny. And Proverbs 19, 20 to 21 says this, Get all the advice and instructions you can, so you will be wise the rest of your life. You can make plans, but God the Lord's purpose will prevail. God is a God of changes, and He's willing to change your circumstances. But it starts with us. For me, I remember falling to my knees and asking God for help. I was done. I was done with my backwards living. I realized where I was and I accepted the consequences for my faults and I learned my lessons from it. But it was my decision. It was my choice to see and call it for what it was. It was my choice to accept it. It was my choice to do something about it. It was my choice to learn from my dungeons. I had to make a conscious decision for myself. You know, God will direct and he will instruct and he will guide us back on track. He will. But he will not make the decision for you. That's called obedience. And we can be obedient or we can be disobedient and fall off his plan. He gave us the freedom to choose. It has to start within us. We have to make that conscience decision. It has to be within you. You need to make that decision for yourself. No one else will make that decision for you. I had to make that decision. I had to ask God to say, Hey, Lord, would you start to take down the walls, the walls of this dungeon that I'm in? Would you, start, would you start to change my heart? 
And I had to make a conscious decision to change. I had to ask God deep within my heart. I had to submit to him. I had to say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready now.
is in those times <clears throat> when you're in their dungeon, when you're all alone, that you got to step out. That's not my comfort zone. But you got to step out and be willing to show God that, hey, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to receive your blessings and allow you to change my life. It's a conscience decision that we make for ourselves to accept his love. And it's in those times that God can reveal your future. He can reveal your destiny. And that's your third point for today. Number three, destinies are revealed from the dungeon. Destinies are revealed from the dungeon. You know, Joseph got over himself and what the dungeons were doing to his life, and he took a stand and and he submitted to God and and began to see his destinies come true. And the story goes on in Joseph's life where Pharaoh has a dream, and none of his magicians and none of his wise men could interpret that dream. And after two years, the the cupbearer finally realizes, boy, I, I... I forgot about Joseph and what he did for me. And he remembers the gift of interpretation that Joseph has. And he goes to to Pharaoh and he speaks to Pharaoh about Joseph. Well, Pharaoh summons Joseph into his court and he kind of explains what his dream was about to Joseph. And because of what God did in Joseph's life during his dungeon times, God uses Joseph And Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams accurately. He actually turns to Joseph and was blown away and made Joseph his prime minister of all Egypt. But Joseph turns to Pharaoh and says, this is what's going to happen. For seven years, we will have a time of plenty where the food will be plentiful. But then there will be seven more years after that where we'll have famine. And because of the leadership that God uh, changed in Joseph's life, his skills, Joseph comes up with this plan to ration the food while they're, they're in the times of plenty. And he actually saves all Egypt and the surrounding cities that's around him while the famine was going on. And it was in this time that Jacob, Joseph's father, sent his brothers into Egypt to to, to buy some food, for he heard that there was food in Egypt. So they go to Egypt to buy food, and Joseph recognizes these, his brothers, but they don't recognize him as their prime minister. And it was in that time when Joseph looked at his brothers that triggered some animosity within him, but God changed Joseph's hearts while he was in prison, while he was in his dungeon time, and he gave him humility. Later on, the brothers come back, and then they find out that the prime minister is actually their brother Joseph, who they sold and threw into the pit. And now they're fearing for their life. But God changes Joseph's heart, and he fills it with forgiveness. While Joseph reconciles the relationship with his brothers, not only with his brothers, but with his dad, and the whole family is made whole again. And in his spirit of forgiveness, he turns to his brothers and he says, what you intended for evil, God 
used for good. God changed Joseph's heart. And he developed his skills as a leader, not so that he could be the, the big kahuna of Egypt. He changed his heart for the good, to be a leader who'd serve the people. God uses our dungeon times for the good, and he uses it to develop us to become his holy people, his sons and his daughters. And it's not to boast that, hey, look at me, we're Christians. It's not to do that. It's to serve and help people to become a son of God, to become a daughter of God, to become his holy people, to become a Christian. He destined us to serve people for the good. And he'll give you that, that heart to do it as he gave Joseph. He'll give you that spirit to do it and that strength to love people. Ezekiel 36, 26 says it this way, And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony heart, stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart. God will give us a tender, responsive heart to respond in love towards people because he loves you even in your dungeon times. He wants us to love people. And Joseph learned of God's love and his tender mercies in his dungeon times. And his heart became responsive to God's will and his destiny for his life. God established that for Joseph. He established his destiny. Proverbs 16.3 says this, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. God's destiny for us, as we read, is to become his holy people, his sons and his daughters so that we'd fulfill the Father's plan right here on earth of reconciling our ohana, of reconciling the family of God, the body of Christ, of reconciling him back to him. And we do it one relationship at a time. He knew us from the beginning of time. And through our dungeon times, God molds us constantly to be his examples, the example of his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said this, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Romans 8, 29 states it this way. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And that tells me that although Jesus was the firstborn, there's many more to come. You know, Jesus became the firstborn of the Father who showed us the way out of the dungeons, out of the pits of hell, where we were destined to be through our sins. But God set a plan in motion through Jesus Christ. And Jesus went to the cross for us, and he paid the price of our eternal destination, our eternal destiny with the Father, not only for us, but for the entire world and the rest of his ohana, the rest of our eternal family. And this morning, I'd say this to you. Let's get out of our dungeons. Let's examine ourselves. Ask yourself this morning, what is God doing in me while I'm in this dungeon time? What is he doing in me? And what do I need to learn? 
What do I need to correct within my heart so that I would become his people? Let's learn the lessons from our dungeons and allow God to change us and become his people. And let's live out the rest of our lives fulfilling the destiny of loving him and loving people. He said, live by these commandments. Love God and love people as you love yourself. Let's find our destiny from our dungeons and be the people called by his name. Be his sons and daughters. Be his holy people to accomplish the destiny that's set before us to reach the rest of the world, to reach the lost one relationship at a time, to reach our ohana, because we are all sons and daughters of the living God. Amen? Amen. You may put away your Bibles this morning. I want to share something with you folks that kind of talks about this because I think God has placed that destiny on my heart being a prison uh, ministry pastor. And what I'm talking about is we've adopted a camp from Oahu, and they're actually celebrating 10 years of having, holding this camp on Oahu, and that camp is called Camp Agape. And this camp is uh, based towards um, children whose parents may be incarcerated, parent or parents, sometimes both. And we're there to help these people. We're there to reach these people because I tell you what, man, these children are in their dungeon times. And they're struggling because they don't have a parent home with them. And they're struggling. And in the destiny that I believe God has called me to do is to reach these people one relationship at a time. And I want to reach these people. And throughout the three years that we've held that, the camp here on the Big Island, because it cost us a lot of money to take people to Oahu, we decided to bring that camp here, adopt it from Oahu, so that we could serve more kids, more children. And over the three years, we've now uh, seen the fruit of this camp, where a dad who was incarcerated has now um, been reconciled. And reconciliation you has taken place, and their relationship they, is these great. Kids, they're, they're, and they're it started at this camp. And when they come so to us morning, the first would you take day a look on at our Friday, screens, and we and receive just them. Just take a look at what um, we to do take them to the camp. in camp. These kids are hard. They don't, they don't want us to touch them. And they don't want to be a part of you this. You can camp. see that when they, you these kids, they're, they're, they're hurt. And when they come but to us the first day the on events, a Friday and we receive and the them that we spend um, to with take them, them to the days, camp, these kids are hard. Every event, they don't, they don't so want us to learn touch them. Lesson on how they don't they, want to they, be they a part of this camp. And it helps them to you build heard courage Mama and say that. be that person that they can accomplish the events, something in their lives. And through the time that we spend the with them, four days, these kids every hurt. event is structured so that they would learn a lesson. On how every, they, they, they do rock event. climbing, and it, it helps them to, awesome build to build courage and be that person that they can accomplish something in their lives. Their it gives them the strength and the courage to express the love of God. These kids hurt. And we shower these kids with love. And you saw that we, every, we throughout every event, 